Welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. Glad to have you with me today. My name is Paula Adams and I am your host. Today's topic is going to be Economics 101, another lesson in how the world works and how money works, or at least for our country. Uh, but since we're becoming a global world, a lot of this applies to the world, not just America. Um, you might think that economics is a boring subject, but it's not. It's really exciting and um, interesting to some of us, isn't it? So if you are listening to this because you are a student who's trying to learn about economics, uh, welcome. And I hope that you will approach this subject with uh, curiosity and the, the realization that uh, economics is a very, um, it's more of a philosophy than a science, even though your professors may try to make it sound like a science, it really is very difficult to control um, the economy that is. So it's more of a philosophy or a psychology of how people make choices on how to spend their money and how governments try to guide people's choices and restrict and uh, create demand and things like that. So it's really a very um, interesting game that people play and that's why, um, well, let's just jump into it. So we're going to talk about two, two things. Um, one is the current economic situation in America and it's actually happening in some other countries as well. And two, I'm going to give you some basic um, foundational information about economics. So let's start with the foundational stuff, and then we will get into the current stuff. So there are three things that really impact how well the economy is doing and how how people's lives um, are affected by the economy. And those three things are the labor supply, the money supply, and the goods supply. So as long as there is a, a good amount of all of those things, obviously people are going to feel good about life, right? There's there's plenty of money, there's plenty of workers, and there's plenty of goods. But what often happens is that the supply and the demand get out of balance, and this this can be caused by many different factors. It could be caused by um, a res restriction in, caused by created by regulations, or it could be caused by wars, it could be caused by like a shift in, in things that are needed, such as during a war when you need more, you know, uh, weapons, 
and you need soldiers and stuff, that's going to change the economy. And um, like we have going on right now, is we have an aging society, so we have fewer workers. So people are retiring, and and that problem is even going to get worse because people are having fewer children. Um, actually, half as many children. Whereas they people used to have four children, now they're having two or less than two. So basically, we're not replacing ourselves, so there are fewer workers. Um, but of course, we know that the main problem right now is a supply problem, and that has been created by, as we all know, the COVID pandemic. Um, now, as far as the money supply, that is controlled by central banks. And we'll, we'll talk more about that. But right now, we have the central banks have flooded the market with money. Um, that happened during the COVID uh, stimulus checks, which everyone was happy to get. But having excess money in in uh, circulation actually upset the economy. So we're seeing the effects of that right now in inflation. So we'll talk more about inflation in a little bit. Now, another thing that is affecting the economy is um, globalization, which is the fact that we're no longer just doing business with, you know, people within America, but we are trading with countries all over the world and more and more countries all over the world. And we're also outsourcing jobs to people who don't even live in America. Um, so that has also changed how the economy works. Um, now, there are other forces at work right now. One is the digitalization or digitization of the economy, which is a very disruptive and um, ongoing transition to basically making everything available on computers. And when you do that, you you create new opportunities, but you also change the labor force and you cause a lot more like regulations and red tape. And it actually, they said that, for example, in healthcare, um, doctors and hospitals were forced to use electronic health records. And they said that this actually um, really slows them down as far as their productivity. So it's, you know, that's an example of digitalization that has actually, you know, made the healthcare industry less productive, not more productive. So, you know, it's a transitional time 
and until everything is, you know, working smoothly, there's going there are going to be problems. Now, another thing that happened is because of the um the COVID lockdowns, more and more people have been working from home and also shopping from home. Some people just quit working, period, and some people moved to home offices, which this um, this has altered the economy greatly as well. And according to experts, this working from home and shopping from home actually fast-forwarded the digitalization of the economy greatly and made it to where a whole lot of things that they were working on suddenly became uh, like they weren't just working on it, but now we are using those things. And another thing that that is driving is a digital currency, whereas Bitcoin and other um, digital blockchain um, currencies were kind of a you know fad they have really exploded during the time of covid with more people learning about them more people buying bitcoin and at the same time governments have been working on their own digital currencies so these are called central bank digital currencies and they will they won't be they won't be um private like bitcoin they will be controlled by governments so that remains to be seen how that's going to go and another thing that is in the works that everyone should know about that is going to affect the economy is a digital identity or id 2020 and that's just one of the things but you can look up id 2020 and this is a push for um, what they what they claim is going to help people prove who they are online so they can buy and sell. But a lot of people say that it actually is going to um, create a way to discriminate against people who don't have a digital identity and is also... Is, as we see in the transition in the in the healthcare industry, it will also probably cause all kinds of unforeseen problems as it gets implemented and make it actually harder for people to buy and sell. Um, for example, just imagine you're going to a website and you want to buy something and you don't have whatever information they're requesting you can't buy it like if you don't know if you don't have an account if you don't have some kind of uh you know information they may want your biometrics they may want your fingerprints they may want your iris uh prints they may want your face print and you know if you don't have all that, then you have to set up these accounts. And this is where we're headed. So, you know, I'm totally against it, just for the record. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about several different economic theories that people have talked about historically that really are kind of outdated 
and we're really moving beyond these, but you should know about them because they're still somewhat in use. One is the Adam, Adam Smith. Um, some people call him the father of economics. Other people say, no, he, he came along way after, you know, that he doesn't deserve to be called that. He came up with an interesting theory, though, called the invisible hand. And the invisible hand says that society benefits when people act in their own self-interest. And that um, the invisible hand of competition and self-interest should regulate free markets. And, you know, that's that sounds good, right? I mean, free markets equal um, a thriving economy. However, when the Great Depression happened, um, people said, oh, well, free markets didn't work. So then new theories got introduced. And remember, economics is, it's just theories and philosophies. It's not an exact science. You can't say, well, if we do this, then this is going to happen. Because there's all these different factors, namely, people have um, people have their own um, goals, their own emotions, their own um, personalities that impact whether they want to buy or sell something. So it's, yes, you can talk about supply and demand, but that doesn't always mean that someone's going to buy it. And, for example... Um, we all have different tastes and we, you know, there may be a whole bunch of people who think that pumpkin spice lattes are the greatest thing. And so Starbucks is going to set a price for that based on that demand. But if another company comes out with something even yummier, that's going to reduce demand for pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks. And so they may have to lower their price because demand went down based on personal preferences, um, which they're always changing. So it's a very inexact science, even though if you, if you go to economics class, they're going to make, they're going to make you do all these formulas and math and stuff that make it sound like it's extremely predictable but it's really not because human nature is not always that predictable. It is to a certain extent, but so far they haven't been able to control us, you know, the way they would love to, to be able to predict all the things that humans will do. And with all the data that they're collecting on us, yes, they're getting pretty good at it, but there's always that element of uncertainty that is going to exist in economics. So what came out after Adam Smith was the Austrian school, which the famous name that you'll hear about in that is uh, Ludwig von Mises. 
and he was anti-central bank. He was anti-government intervention in the economy. He was pro-gold standard, and he was more about human behaviors than the math and the graphs and all that. So the Austrian school is very popular with libertarians and some conservatives and other people who want the government to stay out of the economy. Well, obviously, not too many people in the government listen to this theory or pay attention to it. So really, it's more of a wishful thinking, kind of like all libertarian ideas. Um, it's the way we wish things were, but not the way, thing, the way that the government does things. So how does the government do things? Well, they mostly use Keynesian uh, economics. Some people pronounce it Keynesian. Keynesian, Keynesian. It's and it was described by John Maynard Keynes, or Keynes, um, Keynes, I guess. Um, anyway, his idea is that demand drives the economy, which I agree with, and that the, but he says that the government should control the economy to prevent the the excessive uh, recessions that can happen. And the way that the government should do this is by using interest rates from the Federal Reserve, the money that they, the money that the, controlling the money supply with interest rates. And so if there's a slowdown in the economy, the government should fix it with interest rates. And sometimes they also advocate pricing controls and policy controls to intervene, to prevent. And, you know, this is really popular with the government because nobody likes to be in office when the economy tanks. Um, now, the Austrians believe that if you if you really want to fix the economy you need to fix structural problems but the keynesians prefer the short-term fixes of messing around with the interest rates now the reality is that in american government both democrats and republicans mess with the economy they just do it in different ways and ma mainly it's by altering who they tax and who they don't tax. And But both parties um, come up with budgets that they don't have the money to pay for, which is called running a deficit. So America has really been having a very unstable economy for about the past 50 years since... Nixon abolished the gold standard. So one thing I've learned since I've been studying politics for the past couple years during COVID is that a lot of bad things started in the 70s. And they they actually go way back to the 
the late 1800s, early 1900s, right before the Depression. So it it's, you know, it has to do with industrialization, it has to do with the stock market, it has to do with banking, and, and hugely related to credit. But are we going to go back and tear all that down? Probably not. So where we're at now is is a result of of a hundred years of economic policies that were un, unsustainable. But every government, every president who gets elected just continues on this path. And so that brings us to the type of economic policy that we have now. And this is what you call a a money tree policy or MMT, the modern monetary theory. Let's just call it the money tree because basically the government is is creating policies and creating money to pay for them. And they say that this is okay. They believe that the government provides money. The modern monetary theory says that money doesn't come from taxes, but instead they say that the government provides money and that when they and by doing this, that they are actually um, creating the value in the economy. Uh, it's it's magical thinking, but strangely, it does seem to be kind of the way things work. And it's it's based on what they call fiat money, and that is money that has nothing backing it. So, like the dollar used to be backed by gold, and as I said. In, I think it was 1970, um, President Nixon changed that. He removed the fat, he removed the gold backing of our dollar. And this caused a lot of uh, economic instability because people didn't know how that was going to work, you know. So now we have a dollar that's no longer backed by gold. And so what is the dollar backed by? The dollar is now simply backed by the reputation of, of the United States of America. In other words, you trust that the dollar is worth something simply because America is a wealthy company, which that kind of, I mean, country, that kind of sounds like circular reasoning because it is. But it's like saying, well, I believe in God because um, I believe in God. <laughs> and, and you know, you can't, you can't really explain it, but you know it's true. And it's the same thing for America. It's like, if somebody's going to give me a pile of money, I'm going to take it. Because whether that money, you know, even though that money is not backed by gold... I know I can take that money and go and buy something with it. 
So the money has value just because we say that it has value. So that's called fiat money, F-I-A-T. Now, some people say that when you print money that you cause inflation. Well, the, the money tree people say, well, we're not printing money. They, 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 they don't like it when you call it that. And they also don't like it when you ask them, how are you going to pay for uh, these government programs? For example, in Biden's infrastructure bill, the question was, how, is, how are you going to pay for it? But the modern monetary theorists say, you shouldn't even ask that because it doesn't matter. We'll just, we will pay for it with the money that we create. So, pfft. I know it sounds crazy, but that is literally how our government is operating right now. You can you can Google it yourself. Um, but the thing is, the government is counting on the fact that no one cares. They don't. No one cares whether it's logical or not. Um, it so as long as no one questions it. It will keep working. And, you know, I guess they're right. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how long this house of cards can stand or, you know, a house built on sand or whatever you want to call it. Um, you could say that the dollar is backed by all of the assets in America. In other words, we have you know, we have a lot of stuff and that stuff is worth stuff, is worth money. The stuff is worth money. So, you know, as long as we have a lot of stuff, then you could say that America is a rich country, even if we're just basing our dollar on our reputation. So I don't know, only time will tell on how long it's going to last. Now, Moving on, uh, let's talk about more about uh, our current economic situation. But first, a break from a word from Anchor. Okay, so everybody knows that we are having inflation right now. We're having um, high, higher gas prices, higher grocery prices, we're having a supply chain problem with, you know, stores and not having the things that we need. We can't get parts for cars. We can't get parts for appliances. We can't get cars because we don't have the chips for the cars. Um, we don't have enough workers in the restaurants. We don't have, you know, um, there's just... There's a lot of stuff going on in, in the economy right now. And all of this has been brought on by the government's response to the virus. And what they did was they told people not to work. They told people to stay home. And, and then... 
when people started going back to work, then they started telling people that they had to get the vaccine or they couldn't come back to work. So now people are quitting their jobs and the government seems fine with that. So what what do the Democrats really want? Do they want people to go back to work? Or do they want people to stay home? And my theory is that they want people, they want a certain number of people to quit their jobs. And the reason for that is what we have right now is a type of inflation that is similar to what happened in the 70s called stagflation. And some people say, well, we're not, we don't, we don't actually have stagflation, but we're getting there. Well, either way, we have, we're getting, starting to look like the 70s when we had a, um, a, a created disruption in the oil supply that led to a gas shortage. We had high unemployment and high inflation. And the 70s were a really rough time for the economy and it got so bad that the government had to intervene and when they did what they actually did was they made things worse for a while and that led to president reagan getting um elected and then reagan actually change things and you know so we're back to the whole you know manipulating the economy thing and so that's what the democrats are trying to do but why are they doing this well they're doing it because biden is very involved with the un agenda regarding climate change and The thing is that there is a clash between the desire to improve the American economy and the goals of the UN, because the UN goals will actually hurt the economy, at least in the short term. So the Democrats are kind of stuck between, you know, a rock and a hard place of, well, we don't want to lose the the 2020 midterm elections by... And and right now, the Biden's approval rating is very low. So he is basically lying to the public and claiming that he's trying to fix the economy when really he's not. Um, because his, his infrastructure bill that just passed a couple days ago, it's not going to do anything to fix the economy. Because the economy, where we're at right now is with the high inflation, the high gas prices and all that, that is a result of a high demand for, for goods and a low supply, okay? So Biden's plan is not going to fix the supply problem. And why do we have such a high demand? Because of the COVID stimulus money and because also of um, the lockdowns and people retiring, 
what we had was a lot of people have money and they want to buy stuff and they're they are fixing up their houses they're going they're buying travel trailers and RVs they're going traveling um and they're buying new clothes they're buying houses so people are buying stuff but the supply has been restricted by the covid uh restrictions we you know we don't have enough people working in the ports and in unloading the the ships and stuff we don't have enough truckers we don't have enough people working in the warehouses we don't have enough people working in the stores themselves i mean so what we have is a lack of workers to provide the goods that people want so the economy is totally messed up because of this government response to the covid however what where does the un goals come in well the un wants people to cut back on their um energy uses usage and they want people to cut back on their consumption so it you really can't have both so basically american um american values are going to have to change. Like and that's what they're trying to do. They call it the great reset and I've talked about that before. Basically, they don't want you to go anywhere. They don't want you to to buy stuff. Oh, well, how is that going to help our economy? It's not. So, we have conflicting values here. So why is Biden lying and claiming that his infrastructure bill is going to help the economy? Well, his infrastructure bill is going to provide a few jobs for things like aging bridges. Um really, I don't even know. I mean, I keep I keep reading the list of stuff that it's supposed to pay for and it's very vague. So I don't know where that $555 billion is going to go. But it's not going to impact the supply problem. Even though Biden claimed, oh, it's he's, he literally said that it was going to ease inflation by helping with the supply chain bottlenecks. But it's not going to do that because it's not going to... Um, it's not going to do anything to to make people start working again. So, and then we have the, also the conflicting policy of requiring workers to get vaccines. That is actually going to make the worker, um, the lack of workers worse. So if you look at what they say versus what they do, you see that the two things are not the same. So what, what they are actually doing is causing unemployment. And why would they do that? Well, in the 70s, when they had this problem, they actually wanted employment unemployment to, to go up because they wanted to reduce demand because the only way to bring down inflation is to reduce demand. Demand. 
So they literally had to make people be poor so they couldn't buy stuff because they wanted to slow down the economy. They wanted to slow down demand for goods so that prices would come down. And that is exactly what Biden is trying to do right now. He's just not going to tell you that because nobody wants to hear that. So let me just repeat that again in case you didn't get it. The only way to reduce prices is to reduce demand. And the only way to reduce demand is to make it so that people don't either don't have enough money or they're afraid to spend the money that they do have. And that that's where we're at right now. So I really don't know what's going to happen um, with, you know, the gas prices. The only way the gas prices are going to come down is if people quit traveling. Well, <laughs> Higher gas prices have not stopped people from traveling because people have the money and they're using it. So we'll see how that goes. Now, what else I wanted to say was that the UN agenda is what is actually driving all of this economic chaos. It's driving the higher energy cost and it's driving the stagflation. So Biden... In his other uh, bill that he's trying to pass, he's trying to fund these new green energy products. And here's the thing is they have this deadline, this arbitrary deadline, 2030, and they're trying to reduce carbon emissions and all that and transition to no longer using coal for energy and they're, they're They claim they're going to get all these uh, solar and wind and maybe hydrogen and things like that. But the thing is, it's not in place yet. So we're still a long way out from all this green energy. So they are basically pulling back too quickly on the energy that we do have. And that's causing an energy shortage, even in China and in, in, in Europe. What we're seeing is a shortage of natural gas and, and electricity from coal plants um, because they pulled back on that type of energy source prematurely. But you could say that they, what they're trying to do is force the green energy to be created faster but you just can't you can't force it unless you pay for it and that's where that's where you know the magic money tree uh, comes in for Biden he's going to fund the creation you know the these green energy companies and tell them to hurry up and come up with these this renewable energy well, we're we're I think we're going to find out that they're not going to come up with it fast enough. Um So what can we do? How can how can the public help the economy? Basically, we're going to have to ignore the government. 
What we need is leaders in our in society. We need preachers. We need um, influencers. We need corporate leaders. We need governors. We need mayors to give people hope. To tell people to stop living in fear. To go back to work. To live your life. And we need to get, we need people going back to church. We need to get uh, social activities going again. And we need to stop letting these, these uh, green agenda people control our lives. Because if we, if we don't get back to work and get back to living our lives, we are going to have an economic crash. And it's, it's unknown how, how that is going to uh, really look because the world we're living in now is, is different than any time in history. There, there are similarities, but we're not repeating the past because the world has changed. Technological advances that now allow people to work from home, communicate via Zoom and things like that, those did not exist in the 70s. So we, you know, the people in the 70s did not have those options of working from home. Now, am I saying that I think everyone should work from home? No. I think that it's it's impossible to create goods and to move the goods by sitting at home on a computer so people are still going to have to go to work in in factories, in meatpacking plants, in agricultural, um, you know, farms. We have to get the food. We have to get the goods to the stores. So, you know, we still need people to, to do those actual jobs. We need people to build houses. We need people to cut down trees and and um, create the lumber. You know, we need people to drive the trucks. So what we need is to ignore the vaccine mandates that, that Biden is trying to put on private businesses. Companies need to just ignore those mandates and let people work. And uh, churches need to stop um, requiring masks and, and America needs to resist any kind of vaccine uh, passports or any of that stuff because all of that will depress the economy even more. Um, preachers need to get up and talk about freedom. They need to talk about... Um, Faith in God versus faith in the government to save them. They need to talk about uh, personal, you know, responsibility. They need to talk about um, hospitality. They need to, we need, we still need to be out spreading the gospel. We need to be out helping the homeless. And that's another thing is I don't, none of these policies that Biden is talking about is doing anything about the housing problem, the homelessness problem, the high rents, you know, 
the high uh, housing costs are a big problem for many people. And I haven't heard Biden saying anything about that. Um, and that, and the reason is the UN agenda wants everyone to live in like apartment buildings. They want everyone to live in a city and not, you know, not out on land. They want everyone to live close together and so that you can use public transportation, basically electric, uh, metro trains and, um, you know, re- because they're all about reducing carbon emissions. So just remember that all of their economic decisions are being guided by the UN Sustainable Development Goals that you can read about on the UN SDG website. So while those goals may sound good, what they actually do is they hurt the economy. And that's why China... China is really one of the few countries that is ignoring the the SDGs um, because they are producing so much of the goods that people in America buy. So if you want your if you want your products that you buy on Amazon, um, you better realize that the UN's goals are going to make it much harder for you to get those products and they're going to become much more expensive. But that's their goal. That is the the goal of the Great Reset is for people to stop buying stuff. This is the goal. They say it on, you know, this is their utopian goal is that people are just going to own nothing and be happy. Okay, so, you know, one another thing that I wanted to say is that Democrats and Republicans aren't that different, um, but they do have some differences. And one is that the Democrats are much more likely to believe in the magic money tree, whereas the Republicans know that the magic money tree doesn't exist they are more concerned about um how the policies will affect the the businesses and and that's that's actually a good thing because in the public is dependent on businesses we need businesses to be in business because not only do we need their goods but we also need their jobs so between the two parties, the Republicans are definitely the, the more logical one as far as the economy, even if they do create deficits just like the Democrats do. So one thing I noticed um, about the Democrats is that they, they will keep on repeating the same things over and over again. And that's sort of a communist tactic to just keep saying the same thing over and over again and refuse to admit that, you know, that there could be any other option. And that's why if you question the vaccines at all, 
they have a predetermined line that they will repeat that the vaccines are safe and effective and that the only way we can stop the pandemic is for everyone to get vaccinated. They will repeat that, repeat that, repeat that, repeat that, even though we are already know by looking at the news that the vaccines are very, um, they may reduce illness, but people are still getting sick. So, but, but the politicians are not going to talk about that. So if you, if you look up articles on inflation, you will read all kinds of different um, stuff. And I think the the thing is, there's, there's a lot of opinions because no one really knows what's going to happen. Like I said, it's an M, it's not a perfect science. There's a whole lot of guessing going on because there's so many moving pieces. And I think, you know, one thing that people try to do is say, okay, who's the smart guy? What's he doing? Well, if you look at Bill Gates, Bill Gates, whether he's an evil genius or whether he's a wonderful philanthropist in your mind or whatever, he is really good at predicting the future. And he's, he's, very, he's very good at that. So what is he doing? He's putting a whole lot of money into, into uh, energy right now. So I think that's, that's you know, something that we should keep an eye on is his energy. I think it's called breakthrough energy. Um, as China, China right now is having some problems, but their economy is, is actually, you know, really growing. They still have their communist politics and social control, but their economy is growing. And I'm afraid that America is kind of turning into China right now because of the amount of social control that's coming on us. So is there a solution to our problems? Well, in my opinion, the solution is for non-governmental leaders to start speaking strongly out to the to their constituents in whichever I mean the mayors yes the mayors and the governors can do it but also the heads of companies need to tell America basically the pandemic is over get back to work get back to your life and the democrats if they're smart if they want to get reelected they should do the same thing but they are never going to admit that the lockdowns and the vaccine mandates are a bad idea. Last thing I want to say, and I, I think I already mentioned this, but I think that all of this could actually be part of a larger plan or at least a goal for the one world government that is being, you know, that has always been like the goal 
And ever since COVID started, even Bill Gates has been talked about global healthcare, global healthcare, global healthcare. And so what we're seeing is a buildup to global, globally managed and regulated healthcare system in which all, all, you know, westernized countries agree on certain rules and stuff regarding pandemics and, you know, uh, vaccine records and identity and all that. I think that is coming. And obviously, we are seeing the energy thing, the, the climate thing, which is, you know, whether you believe in climate change, global warming, global cooling, whatever, whether you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter because they're still going to work towards these goals of converting us from carbon to supposed clean energy. So those two things are are driving a lot of this economic uh, problems right now. So that is my lesson on the economy for today. I hope you learned something and I hope that you you and your personal life will take back your freedom. I don't know what country you live in. I know that some countries are really bad right now like Australia and parts of Canada are really... Um, becoming totalitarian and I just urge people to resist in every possible way that you can and to trust God and to bind you know come together with other people and protest and march in the streets and refuse to go to work and refuse to bow down to these tyrants because if we don't resist now, we won't be able to resist later. It'll because it's going to be global. Once they get the global identity system in place and the global currency in place and the global healthcare system in place, you're not going to be able to work or buy things. So we need to resist that while we still can. So thank you for listening. And please leave a, uh, you know, review on Apple Podcast if you don't mind. And follow me and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while there's still hope, keep living your life. Bye now.